what ha has happened for PodFest with all the ads stacked against us, um, this little group that started with 13 people at a meetup has grown into the thousands globally. You are listening to Amplify Your Success Podcast, episode 273. And today we're going to get a peek behind the curtains with one of the leaders in the podcasting movement on how starting ugly and community has created massive growth. You ready for this? Let's get started. Welcome to the Amplify Your Success Podcast. Get ready to ramp up your revenue, amplify your impact, and make your mark in the world. This is the show for experts, thought leaders, and service professionals who want to shatter their limits and achieve that next level. You're going to find out from other experts and influencers how they made it. Now, let's get Amplified. Hey there, inspired entrepreneurs and business leaders. It is your host, Authority Amplifier for your brand, Melanie Benson. And today I'm talking with a friend of mine who I'm so excited. We have Chris Kremotsis joining us today. And uh, I've taken him on a journey he doesn't often go on on a podcast interview, even though he's done thousands. So you're definitely going to want to tune in to hear how his principles of starting ugly and community helped him source every little level of growth. It's a fascinating conversation. And I'm super excited. I'm going to be part of the live PodFest in May. And I've been speaking at each of the PodFests. So if you're listening to this down the road, uh, if you're joining us for PodFest, listen in for a special code to save on your PodFest tickets this year. Now, this uh, whole conversation to me is a major catalyst for my seven-step plan that you've been hearing me talk about. Speaking, uh, having live events, these are all powerful ways to move people into action, to you know, want to be a part of what it is you teach and what it is you're about. It's such a, community is such an extraordinary way to uh, activate desire in your community for what you offer. If you don't yet have my seven-step plan, I highly recommend you download it before you uh, listen to today's episode. Head over to amplifywithmelanie.com. What you will get is my exact framework for turning speaking opportunities, podcasts, virtual stages into your number one lead source. I call it seven steps to get booked on hot stages, to get ideal clients coming to you through leads, and transform them into five-figure deals. This is a very powerful framework and it's uh, it's worked for me very well for the last 21 years. So I would love to share it with you. It's free right now at amplifywithmelanie.com. Now let's get into today's episode. Well, I am so excited to talk to my friend, Chris Kremosis today. He and I have been bouncing around his PodFest world for a while. I've been dying to have him come on the podcast. This is our also going to be a little behind the scenes video that we'll be sharing on YouTube and Facebook. And we're talking about how to build a massive network of people that support your dreams. Now, let me give Chris his official intro. Chris Kremosis holds the Guinness world records title for the largest attendance for a virtual podcasting conference in one week and is a leading expert on podcasting and on-demand audio. His international conference PodFest is the longest running continuous 
in-person podcasting event in the world and attracts thousands of attendees from over 50 countries every year. With two decades and over 2,000 live events under his belt, Chris has worked with the world's most influential voices in marketing, audio, and technology. Those experiences inspired his best-selling book, Start Ugly, which has quickly become the go-to guide for entrepreneurs and influencers who are beginning their creative journey. Now, he's not just an educator. Chris has a penchant for being an on-demand innovator as seen in Chris's own kid-friendly podcasting network, having garnered over a million podcast downloads. And as a podcast consultant and coach, he's also helped all kinds of ventures, including the Women's Meditation Network, to grow to millions of monthly downloads. So Chris, I would have to say you definitely qualify as an authority in the podcasting world. So I'm so glad you're here today. Thank you. Melanie, thank you for having me. And uh, I am just, I have to say, I love so many things about who you are and what you do in the world. And I feel like one of the things I want to start with is I just want to get a little bit of your backstory. I know you could probably do a whole episode just on your backstory, but maybe we can hit a little bit of the high notes on what was the catalyst for getting into the podcasting event space? Because it's not just podcasting, but you're in the podcasting event space, which I think is a really unique part of the niche. Well, my the backdrop, and, and, and this will tie into everything I'm doing today. As a little child, I used to watch TV, and this was when we only had like 13 main channels and cable was fairly new. Um, but I remember yelling at the TV saying they're programming it all wrong. So like I knew, I don't know why I would do this, but I'll be like, this should go here and this episode should go after this episode. So that's just something I would do as a kid. And I'm like, I wish that I could program this because I could do such a better job. Mm -hmm. Uh, fast forward to, uh, I was doing two live TV shows in Tampa Bay, Florida. I'd moved here from New York. And those TV shows were really well received. Uh, one was called Millionaire Mindset, which is a business show. The other one was called The Bleep and Truth. And it was a political debate show. I actually, it would probably be really big right now. Um, but it was cutting edge at the time. We had a polar opposites debate. And um, due to like the nature of TV, I got into it with the station management. And I was no longer on the, on the station anymore because you have to um, sometimes bend your values based on what the management wants. And I wasn't willing to do that. So um, I then found myself creating, I had this show called Millionaire Mindset. The political debate show, I enjoyed watching two viewpoints, but to be honest with you, I'd go home with migraines and it just wasn't like, mm -hmm. I, I, I didn't want to live that way. I don't know if that makes sense. So even though I was good at it programming wise, it wasn't what my soul wanted. And the Millionaire Mindset, I enjoyed talking about business and helping people. So I think the helping part was really good and I understood business. So it was a niche I could play in. And I created a community group known as the Tampa Bay Business Owners. And we would provide, that became, you might call it an event, but it was a community. And the way we would satisfy the community is through events. So we would do 150 to 200 events a year. Um, and every month we'd have the main event where I would interview a CEO in front of a live studio audience um, I say studio audience, basically live audience in front at, at a, a business club, right? Right. Uh, and I enjoyed that. And then one of these, one of those uh, meetings, uh, we had a gentleman talk about podcasting. And he, here I am, you know, I had my TV roots. Uh, I know all about media because I had, I, I had done a lot of production. And I was like, this podcasting is so interesting that it's lagging behind 
video because at the time this was in 2013 youtube was very well established for those that forget when youtube first came out in february 14th of 2005 there was 10 other video aggregators like youtube out there they all went out of business shortly thereafter only vimeo survived so i'm very familiar with the landscape of how all this evolved from from when we had a few channels to cable to the online medium and all this so when I saw podcasting, I said, you know what, this is an opportunity for me to help a lot of people get their voices out there. There's not enough content creators. Uh, and I want to start a show. At the time, I didn't know what I wanted to talk about. My wife beat me to it. She wanted to do one specifically for female CEOs because she said, hey, we need more voices out there of um, female CEOs. I remember we had our first podcasting fight over who was going to start a show. She won. Um, not because, by the way, not because like, uh, she went because she had a better topic. She had what she wanted. I, and this is a good entrepreneurial lesson. I knew at the time, if I wasn't clear what I wanted and my wife was, why don't I gain the psychic benefits of her launching it and me being her marketing manager? So then we teamed up. I said, I'll market it. You launch it. And, and that's how, um, that's how these events evolve very organically because I saw my wife pulling all nighters at the time, me, um, the technology, and this is very hard to believe, but like USB mics hadn't been invented yet. You know, a lot of these unique things that we know of now, as a matter of fact, weren't around yet. So I said, why don't I do a meetup to help people? And then from that meetup, we said, why don't we create a yearly conference to help other people? Um, so I would say if you were to say, how did this all happen? It was accidental, but it was also me trying to solve a need, trying to help a community that needed support. And that's kind of how PodFest grew out of those seeds. You know, it, it, as you're talking, I, I can hear how your business superpower played a role in influencing the path you took. It's like, there's a big thing that you value. There's a big thing that you serve the market with. And those things started to come together and then brought you into to PodFest and, and the event world, which makes perfect sense. And I don't know if you know this, Chris, but I was actually on your wife's first podcast many, many years ago. I didn't even I didn't know that. The, yeah, I didn't connect the two of you till much later when I ran into uh, Katie at another event. And she goes, yeah, you remember you came up? I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't even put two and two That's together. So, cool. so yeah, I actually still have the episode somewhere. <laughs> anyway, love the how the worlds start to collide again. So our theme for today's call, because, you know, we could talk about so many different things, but really deep diving into this idea of a network because, and, and I like that you call it community because I think the way the world is going, the power of our community, the power of our network, if you will, is going to play a very big part in, I think how, like the momentum that someone can ride towards their goals. Why is having a network such a key component of what you're creating and, and accomplishing? This is something I've noticed recently. Uh, maybe it's happened over the last 10 years. People have become siloed a lot. Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe a podcast is your only human connection outside of their work. I, I know like because of COVID, people become siloed. But before that, people were becoming siloed a lot in general, just the way technology is forming. So now we have... Uh, with COVID, it accelerated people working from home, you know, so friendships are not as current, uh, probably people aren't seeing each other as much. So um, there's a deeper need to have human connectivity. And I have found that if you could create really great relationships and have depth with those relationships, 
it just makes your life a lot easier. So I happen to be also a super connector. So a lot of people say, Hey, who do you know here? Or do you know anyone that could help me or weird things? Like uh, I had a friend the other day, he's a trapper. He, he's a, he goes in to get like the squirrels out of your attic and then, you know, he releases them out there. He's uh, retiring and he goes, and I don't know why he asked me, he goes, I need someone to take over my business. Uh, can you find me someone? And I said, you know, that's not something I do. Uh, he goes, I know you'll do it. He like that. And he hangs up the phone. <laughs> so I found that funny. And then in my head, I go, you know what, let me just think about it. And as I thought about it, I know the exact person not to take over his business, but that does work release programs and manufacturing and like people that are in the trades. And this is something that would be a great opportunity for someone to take over a business to make six figures, two years of training, and then they have their own business. So I called that person up and he said, oh yeah, this would be great. Get me a write-up and I'll post it all everywhere I go. So um, that's because I have a deep network. I helped this young man when he was working in the manufacturing trades um, because I just enjoy it. But now here I am, I could connect that dot. And if I ever need something, he could help me. So I think it's very important to, I, I look at life very, uh, I don't want to say uniquely because there's a lot of, there's people that look at it this way. I look at it like we're all on this journey. We don't know how long our time is in this physical form, right? This organic form. So I would like to make deep relationships with the people around me so I could have really great, meaningful experiences with them. Um, and sometimes some aren't really comfortable, but they're still experiences nonetheless. And uh, I look at that as that's the journey. So I'd rather enjoy that rather than some endpoint. So what ha has happened for PodFest with all the ads stacked against us, um, this little group that started with 13 people at a meetup has grown into the thousands globally um, because we just did what was the next logical step for the community. And it's, mm. it's grown on its own and it's been amazing to watch, but we've listened and we've paid attention to the needs of that community. So many people mistake that, oh, if Chris just puts something up, people show up. That's not true. Um, I listen to what the community needs and then I formulate it. How can we get the best players or the best programming or who do we ask to bring that out in the community? And then it creates value. And then that snowballs on itself. Yeah, I've watched you do that. It's, it's actually kind of magical to see that. Um, it's almost like you have this eighth uh, sense, if you will. <laughs> it's not really a sixth sense or seventh sense. It's actually an eighth sense where you, you can hear what's emerging and tap into that. And I guess this would probably be along the same lines. I think that when you have a community, there are two ways people harness the power of community. And one is more passive, you know, where you kind of train that community and cultivate a, a relationship where it's more passive and they kind of respond to things when they want to. You've done something very different with your community. And I'm very curious if you if it was intentional or if you just kind of notice later what happened, but you actually inspire people to be movement leaders with you. Like you inspire members of your community to step up and make things happen as part of the PodFest community. So is it intentional? Is it something that you just kind of noticed was happening and are writing it? What do you think is uh, the distinction for you there? So we've had three levels of... Um pivot or growth within PodFest. So the first pivot was just getting people together and it's an event that people actually show up to, right? So that was like yeah. normal stage, you go from 100 to 200 people. And then we moved it to Orlando 
And that's when we had just under 400 people. And I remember the feedback forums were, Chris needs to get help. Chris shouldn't be running around. And like people actually put this in the feedback forms. Yeah. And I remember the lactic acid in my legs. I couldn't walk the last day of the live show. I was limping. Um, Cause if anyone's ever done a live show, it's nerve wracking, especially mm -hmm. like, so what I intentionally said was like, okay, I, I physically can't do any more than one person can. Like I've hit that capacity. So then we had to intentionally create, how do we give the ownership to the community and how do we then allow the community to build itself, but create boundaries and guidelines to allow for that growth to be um, uh, with the same intention that the original vision was. So since then, we've done that. And then uh, you saw this last pivot point, which was during COVID, we had to go virtual. So now we went global. Like we were always global, but you'd have to come to Orlando to come see us virtually we went global so now it was like how do we inspire people in different countries with different languages <laughs> and how do we and that's when we really fully adopted the tony shea model how he built zappos um allowing literally leaders to take over sections and what that allows for is two things it allows for really amazing things to happen and at times it allows for some crappy things to happen you have to be okay with the crappy thing being it's just a lesson learned. Okay, that's probably someone we're not going to trust next time with that kind of thing, but maybe yeah. they could help in some other way. But you have to be okay with it because it's part of the experimenting. Now, you know this and I know this. The majority of it is amazing, but I'm watching the back end, so I see everything. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> but but that's that's that, now that has allowed us to grow uh, to where we literally. Um, are seen as a global brand and we're helping people all over the world. And I'm really proud of that. And it's pretty amazing. Cause if you ask me, like, did you ever think, yeah, maybe I dreamed of like, Oh my God, but not the way it happened. It didn't. Um, my vision was not how it happened, which I think is even pretty, pretty cool how it happened on its own, you know, virtually. Yeah. I, I think what happened virtually was, was extraordinary. And I, I was like imagining as you were just talking, you wrote the book start ugly I almost imagine there's probably a part two in you somewhere of grow ugly. And it's like, there's so many people that hold on to this perfectionism and it chokes their growth. And what would happen if we let some things not be perfect in order to scale the reach of our mission and, and the work that we do in the world. So anyway, just was thinking like there is a, there's a business lesson in there. Emily, the book helps because of two things. Um, if I have a new team member that joins me, I have them read the book. So they buy mm -hmm. into the philosophy. So in the past, I had trouble having a team buying into the philosophy of Start Ugly. And most people do. What, what you realize is as you grow your team or your company or whoever you're working with, if they don't buy into it, it doesn't work. That's so true. I had to have them buy into the fact that, hey, registration in this way might be a mess, but we'll fix it in real time. Or we're going to try this and they're like how does it work and i had i would have to openly say i don't know we're going to figure it out together so if they weren't bought in uh luckily the book really helped me because it's a 30 minute read you could explain the concept and then once everybody buys in you could really set growth at much higher rates so it's been a blessing mm -hmm. not just for like me writing a book but it's been a blessing because my team reads it and they buy into the concept yeah yeah we gotta have uh values that everybody's willing to be in together Let's talk about this brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Uh, I don't know if it was a vision or a marketing strategy or just something cool to do. I, I don't know where it fit in for you. I know we'll unpack that, but you 
got everybody totally enraptured by going for a Guinness World Record during your uh, online pod fest. How did that play out? Like, what was the catalyst for that? And how did you see that activate your community in a positive way? So after PodFest, so we had an actual live in-person event, uh, 2020, the last one of the year, uh, the only one in the podcasting space and uh, in person. And then we did a test uh, monthly. I, I watched Tiger King right after that because everything shut down, let my hair grow. I mean, we all have stories, but you know, <laughs> you could see it in the pictures. And then I remember saying, let me do a quick tester virtual event. Uh, and it's weird because once you leave, we had a, a really amazing in-person event. So doing a virtual event wasn't as inspiring, even though, you know, you had to do it. I don't know if that makes sense. It's like a mental block. Mm -hmm. So I did a one day test where all the videos were pre-recorded, but they launched on a Saturday. I didn't know what I was doing. I had a friend help me. Um, and we had like a thousand people show up and this was with, I think we sent out an email on Wednesday and the darn thing launched on Saturday. So I was like, that's really strong. So I was lamenting to a friend of mine what I should do. And he's like, you should really create something big in August. And at the time, I know it's going to sound funny. We we're like, well, maybe this COVID thing will be over by August. You know, <laughs> maybe people back in September. We didn't know yet. You know, so I was like, something as a promoter timing, like if I do it and then we will, we get an audience, all this stuff. Yeah. So whatever. So, so I, I put on the back burner and I was watching sing. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie sing with my daughter and Mr. Moon is a, a promoter and he has like a, a place it looks like san francisco the city with the theater and his theater ex, his theater explodes because he put all these fish tanks in there and it literally it's in ruins and i started crying my daughter couldn't see it she was in front of me but i started tearing up because i was thinking about all the promoters like myself i was lucky but all my friends had lost everything and then what happened was mina who's um this elephant that has the most brilliant voice, she sang the song Hallelujah in this, this bombed out shell of a theater and he's inspired to try again. And it wasn't the same theater it was before, but he rebuilt it in a new vision and the whole community showed up out of nowhere in the rubble, sat down and the show was epic. So my friend Gabe at the time says, why don't you call the Guinness World Records, see if they certify it. I said, just like most normal people would say, oh, that's crazy. He goes, well, you always tell people think big. Why don't you think big? And I said, oh, that's a good, good, good point. So I call them up and they go, actually, as a matter of fact, we would be interested in certifying this record. We need to talk to our adjudicators, but you'd have to hit 5,000 people. At the time, I thought it was pretty doable. It was extremely hard to get 5,000 people because <laughs> you, you, you realize like, yeah, everybody's home, but now you got to get five. There's a lot of events going on. Mm -hmm. Luckily we beat it by three. We had 5,003, but what happened was magical. We crowdfunded it to our community first. So before I could lay out the money, uh, cause it was going to be costly. I, um, I asked my community to support it within 45 minutes. We had reached hundred percent of our crowdfunding goal at, on that call, telling them what I wanted to do. And like you said, that momentum kept building. And we, I think it hit 400% of goal that gave us 50% of the money we needed to launch the darn thing. And then the rest came through sponsors because they saw the community supported it and the, the tickets were free. We had some like upgrades, but for most part, 90%, 95% of tickets were freemium. And we had over 5,000 people show up and we did some really cool things, Melanie, that we didn't know we could do. So because yeah. we didn't listen to the other live streaming experts, we did like 
Usually you're supposed to break each breakout separately. Instead, we put it all on the same Zoom and we made them like big squares. So if you click on the squares, it would add like all four or five of those sessions. So what would happen is someone would get in the room and not leave because they're like, oh, there's another good thing up. I'm going to just stay here. So I remember the app company said to us, what are you doing? And I said, what do you mean? They go, your people have collectively consumed. It was like 29. It was like in the millions of minutes. And I go, I don't know, but we're laying it out this way. And we notice that people, once they get in, if the speakers are good, they just keep staying in. And, you know, we're having a good time. They're having a good time. So no one stops and then they come back. So now everybody wants to be part of it. So with the community in mind, we, we did some testing that actually worked really well. Yeah, it, it was brilliant to watch. I was honored to be one of the speakers in that event. Uh, I've spoken a couple of your events and I'll be at the next PodFest uh, in, uh, in May here. And I'm excited about that because what I noticed happens is there is a integration of creativity and like not letting the industry norms dictate the experience that you're willing to create for people. And what happens, in my opinion, as both a consumer and a speaker is uh, there's something that emerges that is very compelling and, and like it's, it's like this contagious energy that everybody wants to be a part of. Because what would happen for me, because you, you probably don't know this, is people are like, are you speaking at PodFest? Are you going to PodFest? You got to be there. And I'm like, well, what is PodFest? What, what, what am I supposed to know here? And that is how you create a movement that is magnetic and, and you know, like creates this energy. It's like everybody's got to be there. So you're doing a great job of keeping people like in a new experience that makes people like, well, what are they going to do this time? You know, what's interesting, Melanie. There's a lot of, um, I'm not a social media um, like star. There's nothing in my mm -hmm. socials that you look, you're like, ah, this guy doesn't pop out. And then a lot of people have asked me, how the heck have you been successful? And uh, it goes back to this conversation. I'm focused on the value that I'm bringing to the community. So when you feel the love, you tell someone else, hey, you should really be there. This is really good. Like, this is not like the other, you know, things. If you really want to make some connections. And I've seen some really big name speakers that we know that are real big celebrities do events. And they're like, we're going to blow everybody out of the water. And what people don't realize, that's all ego of yeah. I want to be the best. I'm going to be whatever. And they never like sat there to ask, like, what does the audience really need? And I remember a friend of mine bought a ticket, a couple of people to this event up in New York City. And it was like, five, $6,000. And I said, what did you learn from the panels? They go, they were just saying that podcast is the next thing. I go, in my world, for who I serve, that's like, duh, you know, like the podcasters now need to know what, what are these web three things? How do we use them for our own, you know, tools? What does that mean? What are NFTs? What are, you know, how do I monetize? How do I get my Patreon going? How do I fire up all these different things? So I'm really focused in on what are the topics that this audience needs that no one else is fulfilling so they could get what they need. But then, as you know, the more important question is, who do I connect Melanie to when she shows up or who she should meet so she could create her own peer-to-peer -peer level connections to yeah. grow what she's doing? And that happens a lot in our um, ecosystem. And that's all intentional. It wasn't like accidental. And I think that's the value that keeps people coming back. Yeah, and, I, and I'll add one more piece um, that I personally experienced and that is the buzz about the PodFest community is generosity. So we have a common friend, Allison Melody, who she's like, every time PodFest comes up, she's like, oh my God, you got to be there. It is like, 
the community is so generous. So I'm in the community. I've been a speaker. I'm a participant in the Facebook group. And what I notice is how generous the spirit is of everybody who they're not just there just to be seen and to, to get business. They're there to cultivate relationships and give. And I think that's a magical quality. I know I've used that word a lot today, but I do think it's a very, um, it's a very under tapped uh, energy in community over all these days. So well done on being the leader that inspired generosity in your community. Can, can I share you a story about that? that I, I would love to hear that. Yeah. In, in years. So my last name is Greek um, and my grandparents and my parents are from Greece. So I would visit every two, three years over in Greece. And I remember, I think it was like 13. Um, I would stay at my grandfather's house and just like homes in like Mexico or Europe, they have like a cement wall a gate that you enter and then you have the house, right? And when I would stay at my grandfather's house, when I'd walk down the steps, his bathroom was downstairs. The old timers were at the cafe, the cafe right outside and they could see you like in your boxers going down to the steps and it'd be like five in the morning. They were already up. They would wish me good morning. And there were all these characters like it looked like a Simpsons cartoon. You couldn't make it up. All these characters with their worry beads and their coffee five in the morning. And you're just trying to go to the bathroom and then go back up and get some rest. <laughs> so I remember um, three years later. And what the one guy that would hold court, his name was his nickname, don't ask me why, was Taco. So Taco had a huge mustache. He was like six foot two, like looked like a cowboy out in this little Greek uh, village. And I remember three years later, I went back and I was going to the bathroom and there was no one out there. It was like one or two people. And I went to my uncle. I go, what happened to all the guys? And he goes, well, Taco passed away. And I said to him, why would that have any bearings on everybody hanging out? He goes, well, we all grew up as kids and we all used to fight and taco was the one that would put us all together and tell us to shut up and have fun. And he goes, now that he's gone, we're all fighting again. And he goes, when, and, and, and then I remember another day there was like in, in Europe, uh, in Greece, uh, uh, like, especially the name day of a saint is a big deal. That's like a, almost like a birthday celebration for you're named after, you know, any saint. And there was a big, um, uh, Ilya, Elias is a big uh, celebration in, in our town. And I remember it wasn't that big that year. And I said to my uncle, what happened? He goes, well, you see, Taco is the one that will go up to everybody's house and say, hey, we got to give, uh, you know, you're going to give some oranges, you're going to give some olives, you're going to give, everybody would give because of Taco, he would go collect from all of us. And then we'd all show up and we'd have a big party. And he goes, now that he's not here, no one shows up for the, for the thing. So in a really weird thing, as a young person, I realized the impact one life could have on an entire village, because these people literally were born in the same village together and lived in that ecosystem for those that generation. And you, you realize, like, we all have different impacts in this world. And I just thought that was so cool that this one guy could bring everybody together, play nice, tell them to shut up and stop squabbling for a little bit. Um, and then when he was gone, you could actually see the impact of one life. Um, since then, I'm proud to report that the shopkeeper, uh, uh, Andoni is his name, his daughter Kula has taken up the, you know, 10 or 15 <laughs> years later, she's taken up the mantle of organizing the village and she takes them on trips to all over Europe. They do yearly trips, they all contribute. So it's pretty cool to see that energy back, but it took about a decade for it to be replaced. Oh, I love that. So am I interpreting in that story that you are taco? 
I hope to be the the person that can at least bring people together to come hang out with one another yeah. and forget about all the other stuff that distracts us and have a good time. Yeah. So I, I would say I, it impressed me so much that maybe inadvertently I've uh, adapted a lot of things like that. And I love helping people and people ask me for all <laughs> kinds of stuff for the most part, I'll give them the shirt off my back. You know, So that's, that's, that's a part of the story. Yeah. Cause when Taco's life was done, I saw the impact and he obviously knew his, I'm sure he knew, he might not have known how impactful he was because most people, they just do what they do, but you could see the impact that one man had. And in this village, you have to realize in these little villages in the countryside, money doesn't mean anything. The the economy is like one guy's making their own feta cheese. The other one's literally, it's all agricultural. Yep. You, know, you know, someone's got a mule, like that's like wealth. And you could see one guy created the wealth of the entire village by bringing them all together throughout the year. And then, it was, in, it, was, it was also interesting to see 60-year-old men still fighting like little children. And I think early on, I realized like we're all just grown-up babies, uh, not realizing it, <laughs> dealing with their, our own issues. Because he would tell them to – because, you know, you had – there was all – when I tell you different characters, like all different stories I could tell you. But with when Taco was there, everybody showed up because they felt appreciated, welcomed, and wanted to be around that energy. And then when he passed away, slowly but surely – they all went back to their homes and they weren't as, they didn't play as nice without taco there. So I just, I think that's a lesson in life. You know, um, everybody could be the taco in any situation, but it's just something yeah. that I never forgot uh, years later. Um, you know, those things as a kid, I don't, I didn't remember that till I had to, I was writing something and you know, some things are jogged in your memory. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, I do remember that. And it made a big difference on me to see that uh, one man made such an impact on uh a village of about 2000 people. So we're not talking about, it's small in terms of, you know, US size, but in, in Greece to those people, it, it meant the world to them. Yeah. Well, I love seeing how that's being channeled through you and through your, the leaders of the PodFest community. And we're going to get a chance to experience that in real time in May. I mean, I know you do this uh, every year now, and let's just cross our fingers. Uh, if you're listening to this rather than watching, my fingers are crossed right now. And we are knowing that live events are back and PodFest Expo is back in real life. I will be there. Chris obviously will be there. Some amazing people are going to be there. Um, Chris, what are a couple things that you're looking forward to uh, giving our community the experience of in this next PodFest? So we always have our beginner track. So if you're just getting started and you need help, it's there. For experienced podcasters, uh, let's call, let's let's say you're a hobbyist, like you've been doing it, but now you want to make money. I mean, we have mm -hmm. tracks that we have some of the best tracks on how to um, leverage your community, make a living to feed yourself and and grow that so you could do it full time. Uh, the, the tracks that are really new, cutting edge, we've created, uh, I don't know if you know this, Melanie, but we created an entire experiential hall now. So if you want to go into the experiential hall and learn about different editing techniques or building your own Canva templates, we literally have four rooms. And this is meant more, it's meant for beginners, but it's also meant for our pros that might get stuck on certain things or they're using Adobe or Audacity, whatever, and they need help. We're working with the podcast editor community to have Literally, you bring your laptop and you'll we fix it right then and there for you, uh, with you. Um, so that's cool. So we'll have a hands-on experiential hall. And then the Web3, which is all the stuff, all these terms that you're hearing um, from NFTs to the blockchain to uh, the Lightning Network, which is how Bitcoin is processed. Uh, we actually, I know Dave Jackson, will be, he's one of the first guinea pigs to layer uh, the Lightning Network over his podcast, which allows 
uh, users to send them Bitcoin. So oh. we actually have some of the most advanced. So if you want like uh, the normal ABCs, we have it like from how to grow your LinkedIn, how to grow your Pinterest, how to, to traffic for your podcast, how to create, you know, your communities, um, how to grow your downloads, how to buy um, and advertise your podcast to grow your podcast. We have a lot of, we have that all over the place, but we also have an experiential hall, a web three hall, and then the after parties are just phenomenal. We bring everybody together and usually we'll have, we have a few um, podcasters or musicians, so we've already booked their bands to play. So they're excited. They're all practicing. Um, we'll have a couple of DJs there from our community. So everything is sourced from the community for the community. Um, it takes, uh, believe it or not, Melanie, it's easier to do it that way. It's lazier to go get it outsourced. I know it sounds crazy, but over time, it's easier just to listen to your community and utilize yeah. the ingredients that you could find within it and they'll flourish. Yeah, I love that. And I hope I'm not speaking out of turn, but I, I understand there's going to be a women in podcasting track yes. as well, yep, which yep. I'm very excited about because my friend Jennifer Henskel is going to be a part of that. And I'm honored to be a part of that as well. And super exciting. You know, I mean, all the different tracks you guys have are fulfilling and enriching for people, no matter what you're looking for, what your persuasion is, your your needs are, your community is, your whoever yeah, you are, and you're looking for people like track. you. Yeah, mental yeah. health, wellness track. We have a healthcare track. We have a lot. I mean, we have we have an industry track, a B2B track. So I could go on for tracks. We have like, um, yeah, we'll have over 300 um, uh, presenters at PodFest. And we also host the largest influencer meet and greet in the world. So uh, that's very unique. No one uh, really does what we do. We'll have 2,000 people minimum in a room uh, wow. connecting. And if it's in round table, so it's not that aggressive. You sit down at the round table and we help you connect without really going too far out of your comfort zone. And we support you and help you in that. But that's probably one of the, everybody's favorite things because the connections on that are just amazing. Well, we will link up access in the show notes. But if you're listening to this and you don't have a pen handy, it is podfestexpo.com. And I'm very grateful that uh, Chris is allowing uh, some of us to give a special to our audience. So if you're a part of my community and you use the promo code AMPLIFY, uh, I believe that's going to get 20% off, Chris. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 20% yep. off, yep. Yep. And that's very generous. Thank you. And it is in Orlando, right? At the Hilton Orlando, right outside the convention center. Uh, this hotel has a lazy river. It's very family friendly. Um, mm. And it's actually right next to... Uh, like Top Golf, uh, the Mario Andretti Grand Prix. There's a lot of cool things. Literally, uh, I believe it's walking. You could walk a tenth of a mile tall there. And the dates are for this one are May 26th through the 29th. Did I get 29th, that right? Yep. Yep. Okay. Cool. I am very excited to be there. And if you're joining us, I want you to do two things. First of all, I want you to uh, wherever you're listening to this, give me a little shout out in the comments. Uh, or give me a DM on Instagram, Coach Melanie Benson. Let me know you're coming so we can send intention to meet live. This is one of my favorite things about being a guest speaker at an event or going to an event in, in general is like I get to meet my community in real life. So I'm super excited about that. So make sure you give me a little reach out and let me know to watch for you. Chris, I just got a couple of wrap up questions for you. These are the uh, fun questions I like to ask every guest, uh, what is the boldest thing you've ever done to amplify the impact and reach of your business? It's the, 
the, uh, when I say, okay, so here's what I'll just say without um, explaining. Okay. So I had, I had, this is when I first started uh, promotion, as you said, the event side. Uh, and I didn't know anything about it. So my first event I held at American Legion in June in Florida, the air condition broke and the Legionnaires had smoked cigars the night before. It was disgusting <laughs> to say the least. So, uh, and then I booked Brian Tracy. If people don't know, he is a very famous, uh, well-known speaker. And then I booked Jay Conrad Levinson. And at the time I had no idea about speaking fees. I didn't know they're negotiable. And I was broke after I booked Jay Conrad Levinson and then uh, he wrote the book, Guerrilla Marketing. So he had sold over 25 million copies. So the boldest thing is I paid for the speaker and I can't find anyone to come see him because no one knows who he is. <laughs> so <laughs> so this, it, it, it taught me a blind, blind spot. So let's say you might know who yeah. he is. Doesn't mean other people know who he is, even though he yeah. sold 25 million books. So the boldest thing we had to do is I'm talking to my camera guy, Anthony, who's been with me forever. And I'm, I'm like, what do we do? We don't know anyone who's going to show up. We just spent all this money. It's going to be a big loss. He said, let's go to Barnes and Noble and, and uh, you could show all his books. So what we did was a uh, little Sony cam. This is before cell phones had cameras. We had a little Sony cam. I held up all his books um, and he had tons. He had sold over 25 million. And then I held like Warren Buffett books, Robert Kiyosaki books, uh, Ramsey, all the guys that you know, uh, and Susie Orman, I remember uh, all together. And I said, he's outsold all of these people. And I dropped all the books. And then the Barnes and Noble employee like chased me out. Like, cause you could hear me just go, Whoa. the video uh, ends with me just getting the hell out of the Barnes and Noble. And it went viral, not, not in a, a YouTube way, but it went viral within the people that I needed to reach in Tampa to show up at that event. And we were able to pack it in uh, last minute. So that was the boldest thing when we had no money, didn't know how we were going to do it. So I, I would say creative, creatively bold for my business and taught me in that moment, don't ever use the excuse, I don't have money to mm. get something done because it seems to be something you hear from entrepreneurs all the time. I yeah. need money. Uh, it's the lack of creativity. You have to figure it out. So that that's something that's really served me well as a promoter. Love it. <laughs> that's a great story. Okay, last question. What is one thing you wish you would have done sooner? So this is uh, for me with events specifically. Um, I'm really good at community building. What I wish I would have done sooner is made my events look good. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is a lesson you have to learn the hard way. So in events, you're actually better off losing money on an event, but making it look good to survive another day if you want a, a longevity. So in the early days, I, I might've made, let's say a thousand or $2,000, but I, I'll give you an example of, of this. So the first PodFest was at a Ramada Inn on West Shore Drive in Tampa, Florida. It was sandwiched between two strip clubs, one next to it and one down the, the, the thing. Now, as someone that lives in Tampa, you don't notice it because we have no zoning. Everything's next to a strip club. Okay. But if you come from another city, you notice it immediately. And especially the women are like, why'd you pick a hotel next to a strip? But that blind spot. So, so now the hotel was cheaper. I made money, but you have a marketing problem because even though the event was amazing, all certain people that came from outside, I was like, yeah, I was right next to a strip club. And they would repeat that over and over. So I wish if I were to tell myself, you're better off breaking even or even losing a thousand dollars. We're not talking lose a lot of money, losing a couple of grand, having a better looking venue and better signage than trying to make $2,000 because it actually 
creates a different growth trajectory on how people yeah. talk about. Now I understand that now, but if you were to ask me going back, I would, yeah, American Legion, like all that stuff, like, hey, but I had to learn uh, in some way. So it is what it is, but th that's what yeah. I wish. I, someone would have told me, hey, let me show you how this charts and, and it would have been a different trajectory. That's all. I love that story. And thank you for sharing that. Because again, you're willing to start ugly, but sometimes there are things in our blind spot that are going to impact the longevity of our brand and our impact. And it's such a great story. Chris, thank you so much. I'm so excited to meet you in real life. Like this will be our first time in, no, wait, actually I did meet you in real life one time at another event. I remember we, we've, we've had an in-person connection, but this will be the first time at your event. So I'm super excited and I'm excited to meet you as you're listening in. I hope you'll join us, uh, podfestexpo.com. Feel free to use the code Amplify uh, to get your 20% off. I'm not getting anything out of it. I just, uh, I think it's awesome that Chris is that generous and I want to pass that on to you guys. So see you at PodFest, Chris and community. Bye everybody. Thank you, Melanie. Thanks for tuning in today, Amplifier. Be sure to join us right now in the Amplify Your Authority community at authorityamplifiers.com and I'll share my seven proven tips to be a highly paid expert that stands out in a crowded market. Plus, we're going to keep this conversation going and I want to hear from you how you're going to amplify your authority and make a greater impact. Before you go, please take a minute to give our show and our guests some love over on your favorite podcasting platform. Subscribe, rate, and review. Leave your full name and I'll spotlight you and your authority on social media. 